Welcome in, everyone, to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. I finally don't have to do a virtual background. I got all my stuff put up behind me. You know, we got the logo, the brand, we got Terrible Towel, some dog stuff. This is a Florida, or Georgia, Florida program from the game Mark and I went to. And then we got the Eagles up there. The only thing I don't have is... Uh, my penguins and, and any Penn State stuff. I didn't. I don't have Penn State direction decorations though. So, I mean, this is the only Georgia decoration to have other than the stuff I have out in the living room, which is a fantastic wall. It's just above my bar. Got uh, my my diploma in the middle. A little wood Georgia thing on the right. The canvas that uh, UGA gave us for our class of twenty twenty. Since we couldn't walk at graduation, they decided to give us a canvas picture instead. <laughs> so, anyways, a lot of stuff going on. Preseason week two kicked off last night uh, between the Eagles and Patriots. Also got some NCAA stuff to get through. And then we will be previewing the Big 12 and the MAC conferences. And then all of the rest of the preseason games this weekend starting tonight. So, starting off here with the game last night. Um, yeah, was not pretty for the Eagles. <laughs> 35 to nothing. Uh, the, the thing is, the Eagles barely played any starters. They liked what they saw out of the couple joint practices that they had with the Patriots. Jalen Hurts initially was supposed to play, but then he came down with a stomach infection. It ended up being diagnosed as a stomach infection. Um, but, yeah, he went through pregame and just didn't feel right. So went to the hospital. They diagnosed him with a stomach infection. He's fine. Going to rest a couple of days and probably see him week one. <laughs> Not most more than likely going to see him preseason week three so that's why i think 35 to nothing is not that big of a deal it was the patriots ones against the eagles twos for the majority of the first quarter and then you know for the majority of the first half actually i think the patriots kept a lot of their ones in for a lot of the first half and then second half it was pretty much the twos against the threes for the majority of the third quarter and then obviously threes against threes on fourth quarter but the the biggest things that I took away you know both Patriots quarterbacks looked good I think no one really got a leg up in the quarterback competition after this game and their running game they just demolished the Eagles defensive line all night pretty much yeah I agree with you uh, one word that I would use for both quarterbacks, because I agree with you completely that both performed well. I would say for a rookie, Mac Jones was decisive, if that makes sense. You know, he didn't look like he was holding the ball too long. He got to his second reads fast. And then Cam Newton, just comfortable. And I've talked about him a lot of times, you know, ever since that MVP season and taking all those hits, he didn't look comfortable throwing his shoulder. He looked comfortable back. 
um, taking snaps and and the accuracy is a big thing that you can talk about. And I and I agree with you though. You got to show me against first team defenses, but at least it's a step forward for the former MVP. <clears throat> we have a lot of guys here on the stat sheet, but I'll talk about two others that aren't. Um, Sonny Michelle, just seeing him out there carry the ball after being um, injured, I think he averaged like 4.9 yards, not against first-team defense, but good to see him back. And then Matthew Judon, um, he only had one tackle, but he did deter some running back lanes, and he got in the face of Flacco a few times. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about those two guys that aren't on here. And then uh, negative for the Patriots was um, – no, uh, wide receiver. Why can't I think of his name right now? Nikhil. Nikhil. Um, yeah, you know, he requested that trade, and then he got injured and didn't return to the game. So that's not a not a good look for him. Yeah, the the game. I mean, I didn't watch it last night, but obviously, score is the last thing you want to look at in preseason. But still, thirty-five nothing is a pretty bad beatdown, no matter what even if it was the ones against the twos for the first half of the game or whatever, I feel like that's a bad look on the Eagles because that means that their backups aren't really that good. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, I mean, yeah, again, the Patriots starters were in for most of the game. But still, if the backups were that good, they'd be able to hold their own and not get blown out 35 to nothing. I mean, I don't know the distribution of the score, but – I assume a lot of it probably did happen in that first half. So, um, against that second team for the for the Eagles. Well, it was nine, uh, 19 first half, 16 second half. Okay, so it was pretty even, but mo- most of the points were in the first half. Um, New England's kicker looked terrible, guys. Who's their kicker now again? Well, the 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 real kicker is Nick Folk. Yeah. But like the but he hasn't he hasn't been playing in the preseason. So. Games look terrible. I wasn't sure if Nick Folk was still there or not. Yeah. I I hate I hate watching him with New England because he was at the Jets for all those years. But uh, yeah, I also have mixed feelings about the the quarterback competition in New England too because I don't want to root for a New England guy because obviously I'm a Jets fan and I don't want another Tom Brady type of situation to happen there, but. I do have Matt Jones on my dynasty fantasy team, so if he turns out to be a great quarterback, that's also good for me. So I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about Matt Jones and his uh, good performance. I mean, it is only preseason week two here, so don't want to hype it up too much, but he did look good, like you guys said. Yeah. Uh, I Unfortunately, I didn't – well, I didn't check um... – at the end of the games because I knew I probably wasn't going to win anything. And I don't think I did. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a couple couple of entries in. Week two is tough on uh, Daily Fantasy, DraftKings, and Fandle. You know, just a little $0.25, cents, $0.10 cents entries. And I don't know. It was, they, they were just not good. Considering I picked the wrong quarterback, you know I was going to do all Eagles and then, like, you know, one or two Patriots. But, yeah, it, it was not good. <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson, though, he was a he was a fantasy stud. Scored uh, 19.4 <laughs> points. So, 
But, yeah, the, there was nothing really special with the receivers. Devontae Smith made his debut for the Eagles. Um, he got two receptions for 19 yards on four targets. So, and, and one, one catch that he just completely spun the corner around. Michael Jackson, I believe it was, that he spun around. It was great to see there. So... Tough night for Zach McPherson, rookie fourth-round pick out of Texas Tech for the Eagles. Got beat a bunch in coverage. Um, did did also have some some good pass deflections though, uh, or breakups there. Really for the Eagles defense though, it was T.J. Edwards and Alex Singleton all night. Uh, those two were just tackling machines. Alex Singleton unfortunately didn't make it on here because really. All he did was tackle. He didn't do much else. He had uh, seven tackles, five solos, and one tackle for loss. So, Pretty solid single-game performance, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensively, the Eagles, the Eagles' offensive line was just terrible. Let in a bunch of sacks on Flacco. And I felt really bad for Nick Mullins. I mean, it was any time he dropped back, he was just getting pounded. Uh, Chase Winovich got two. Harvey Lange got in there for one. Cash Maluia got one. And overall, I think those might have been the only four. Um, Might have to check that, though. Yeah, yeah, they, they they only had four sacks, but it and four quarterback hits, but it seemed like it was constant pressure on Nick Mullins all night. And Nick Mullins looked terrible once again, except for one drive, which ended up in a tipped interception, which I was actually happy about at that point because <laughs> I had the under thirty eight and a half, and the game it. The game came into the fourth quarter at thirty-two to nothing, and I had the under thirty-eight and a half. <laughs> and I was like, "Crap, dude! There's no way we hit this." Uh, and then Patriots only got a field goal the rest of the way. Like I said, two two turnovers, one by the Patriots, one by the Eagles, in the fourth quarter really helped under betters in this one. Because the Eagles had their best drive of the night, and then, like I said, tipped interception off of Nick Mullins, and then the Patriots drove down that same that next drive, and then uh, Ramondre Stevenson fumbled the ball, and, pay, and Eagles recovered it. So, great night for underbetters. Had to sweat it out, but ended up working out, anyways. How those uh, Cardinals work out for you? Shut up! I don't want to talk about the Cardinals. <laughs> uh let's see the patriots cover plus one under 39 on espn there so okay ncaa news so we'll start off with the big 10 acc pack 12 mark take it away bud on the alliance Imminent in seven um, it was days. Reported, it was reported today on the D1 ticker that I subscribed to that 
the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC could become uh, alliance official as early as next week. The three conferences believe um, a couple things besides, you know, aligning football-wise. They're like-minded when it comes to um, wanting to keep football a part of the NCAA as well as um, putting academics above um, what they call, you know, what the what the football has became on on this level were two of the big things that the administrators um, had pointed out. And in quotes, they're enthusiastic about embracing the name, image, and likeness reform, but all of the commissioners and ADs do not want to see college football become an actual minor league system for the NFL, all with the draft, player salaries, and the like. Um, so they hope to align and delay the implement. The, the big key of this is um, delay the impl- implementation of the expanded football college football playoff. Yeah. So with that said, um, obviously we all know this is a trickle effect from what the, you know, the SEC getting two more power teams, if that makes sense. But I actually love that they want to prematurely <clears throat> delay the college football expansion. I think it's fun um, seeing who can be the Final Four, even though you're seeing Alabama and Clemson regularly, but that's because they are that good, if that makes sense. But you don't know who the other two teams might be. And what I would say is I'm not against expansion, but why do we? Why are we jumping from four teams to 12 teams? Does that make sense? Like, I think it would be fun if you added two teams, and I think you could get a third power five and a wild card, or eight teams before you go to 12. Because I still would love to have seen, like, Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati, those teams sneak in UFC one year. Um, but it's it's it, there's no better way to say – that they're aligning because the SEC just got stronger. And I think that just opens the door with the SEC could, you know, if those three leagues are going to align, then the SEC could poach more Big 12 teams, maybe a Houston, a Cincinnati, and UFC if they wanted to. Or UCF, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, so vague about, you know, what the alliance – looks Would like be, and I, what it yeah. actually does um i did see that in the little thing that i read uh, um it they're discussing about all sports but predominantly they're talking football and men's and women's basketball uh so and they also are talking about scheduling but there's an issue you know the big 10 and I believe and those, pe- uh, those are um, Pac-12 play on, nine. On campuses, those are the three revenue-generating sports, if that makes sense. I mean, I can't say every school's female or women's basketball team makes a huge income, but, like, I know Georgia's uh, women's basketball, you know, they take care of itself. They don't have to rely on football to pay for everything. They make, you know, they're operating in the black our men's basketball team as well, and, of course, our football team. So I can see schools doing this. I think it would be another step for Notre Dame having, you know, to pick, go all in with the ACC. But it's just 
it goes back to what I've said all along, right? Like if those three conferences align, then you're going to have the SEC and then you're going to have to big 12 teams are going to say, okay, I'm coming with Oklahoma and Texas. And you're eventually going to have just two big leagues. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you pick the top four teams from both or the top six, if you want to do that 12. And so I want not to spend hours talking about that. I was kind of really surprised that the ACC went with the Big Ten and Pac-12. I could have saw the Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac, and the ACC and SEC aligning because the ACC has every in-state rival, right? Like Florida State, Florida, South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Like there, there's a natural reason to align with the sec but what's stuck out to me is the acc said no we care like that whole academic part that's what the big 12 and the sec is known for is having football guys have easy ways to get into their their schools if that makes sense yeah yeah i know i know one of the big things was about scheduling uh issues with that big big 10 and pac 12 i believe play nine conference games acc only plays eight and like like you said the other scheduling thing was the acc has many in-state rivalries with the acc so if you throw enough money at at somebody though i bet you could change your mind i'm just gonna say that greg sankey you're you've been great for the sec don't let the acc go away Alrighty, uh moving on to Another NCAA issue. So the NCAA is investigating Nebraska and head coach Scott Frost for improper use of analysts and COVID violations. This one was so confusing, and I had no idea what they were talking about and what what the violations actually were. The biggest thing that I saw that I could actually understand that was violations or were violations that was – they held practices off campus during under uh, COVID restrictions that said they couldn't do that. So do you know that, anything more about the analysts though, Mark? That's the biggest thing. The analyst is like um, having an assistant strength coach that, you know, works under the head strength coach. And then you say, okay, your, your duty is to go up in the booth during practice after they work, you know, work out in the weight room. And I want you to take, how many times does someone miss a block or fumble? You know, just little things. Using people as um, an extra coach or scout that the NCAA says does not have any on-field um, duties, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or even bringing in outside, because I read something that they, they hired some outside people that weren't even part of the staff to give extra eyes in the stands, up in the booths, be on the sideline and I want your professional opinion and they you know paid them maybe under the table or they knew Scott Frost all I'm going to say about this again not to because I can be long-winded we all know that what could help Nebraska is currently he has a 20 million dollar buyout obviously he's going to coach this season but let's say that they go they win two conference games or three and they want to depart from Scott Frost, if he violated anything that the NCAA says breaks his contract, 
then it's a free way to say, bye, Scott Frost. We don't have to pay you any money. And then he'll go, and you're going to law school. He'll say, no, I'm going to take you to court. And then they'll settle for less than $20 million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... But that's a, I mean, that's huge during the pandemic, though. Like, I'm I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody did some off-the-field stuff. But when you're not winning ball games, people are going to say, Things does that make sense? Because <laughs> yeah. I think Michigan even had had that that rumor, and you know Harbaugh hasn't been winning either. Yeah, I don't believe Scott Frost will last the season. Um, but someone got video of it apparently, and that's the big eye popping thing is we have video of them practicing, you know, off campus somewhere. Yeah. That one, and I I haven't heard anything else about Herm Edwards in Arizona State. Uh. I, because all indications that I've heard now is like you know he's still a head coach. They're gonna they're gonna have a team this season. So whatever. <laughs> I think some of his assistants uh, took the fall there because I they let go. I read something in the last two weeks that someone's on administrative leave or totally gone or something. Yeah. Okay. Last two things here. Forgot to talk about. Uh, on Monday, the AP Top 25 preseason poll came out. Of course, Alabama is the number one team in the land. Oklahoma, surprisingly, number two. Um, Clemson, three. Ohio State, four. Georgia rounds out the top five. I, you know, not being a dog, I'm not just because I'm a dog fan. Um, I just thought maybe JT Daniels coming back would put them in the top, I, I would say top three or four. I was a little taken aback at the fifth spot, but I, but the way that injuries have went and stuff, I actually think that's a good spot for Georgia. Otherwise, I agree. You know, you got Spencer Rattler coming back for Oklahoma. Um, the quarterback position is, is questionable at Ohio State, but they've got great wide receivers, and they were in the championship last year. So That's my biggest thing with Ohio State at four. Quarterback play, and their defense wasn't good last year. So, you know, obviously I don't follow recruiting that well, so I don't know who all they – are bringing back and whatnot on defense, but I have a hard time believing Ohio State at four. Um, rest of the top ten here, Texas A&M, six, Iowa State at seven, Cincinnati at eight, Notre Dame nine, North Carolina number ten, Cincinnati the first non-Power 5 team since 2012 to start the preseason in the top ten. And I mean, I, I mean, they had a really solid season last, year, so yeah, they deserve to be a top ten team. I think they have a Heisman Trophy contender and Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. Their defense is very solid. Um, they'll have to replace Garrett Dokes this year. Um, not sure what the wide receivers look like, but yeah, I 
I always base everything on the quarterback play to start off conversations anyways. So. Well, I mean, with that said, you know, Coastal Carolina brings back their, their quarterback if they can continue. Well, we didn't get to him yet. <laughs> We're going five at a time, Mark. <laughs> I'm just saying, I love the small guys. I love the small guys. Um, love Iowa State at seven. I think they could end the year as a top five team, possibly even a playoff team. I mean, they are easily the number one contender in the Big 12. I shouldn't say that right now because we have our Big 12 preview later. That's why I didn't say too much about Oklahoma. But, yeah, Iowa State, I'll talk more about them when we talk about Big 12. Um, Let's see, 11 through 15. 11 through 15 here, uh, Oregon, Wisconsin, Florida, Miami, and USC. Don't really have much to say about any of those teams. <laughs> well, I would say two because you just never know how they're – like the Wisconsin is a Georgia of the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, the freshmen it returns, they always can run the ball. They have a solid defense, but they always drop a game, right? Mm-hmm. What, if, what, what if one day they don't drop drop a game that they're supposed to win? And then USC's got a really good quarterback. He's in a you know the market that loves to prop Heisman's up. I don't know if they have the defense to run the table, obviously, but you're going to hear about him in the press if that makes sense. Um, Slovis, I think, is his name, last name. Uh, yeah, Keaton Slovis for USC. I was uh, about to talk about him. Yeah, returning him, one of the better quarterbacks in the country, should be competing for the Pac-12 uh, with him. Not sure. Their defense is usually pretty solid at USC. Have to replace some offensive players there, especially at the receiver position. Amon Ross St. Brown specifically. Um, yeah. And also Tyler Vaughn's as well. But I'll, I'll go mm-hmm. Oregon at 11, though. I was sort of surprised they were at number 11. Now, I know they are the reigning Pac-12 champs. But, again, I'll go back to quarterbacks. New uh, court, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, the... No one, I don't think anyone knows who their quarterback is because they were having a quarterback competition there. So, Anthony Brown is one of them. I'm not sure who the other guy is. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. They, they normally have what I what I attribute to Oregon. You know, having sustained success, they do a really good job of recruiting linemen. Like most linemen you hear come from the SEC, the Alabamas, the Georgias. You've had a few Tennessees. You definitely have Clemson. But Oregon does a really good job of, uh, on the West Coast of having good linemen. So it makes whoever steps in's job a little bit easier. You also have good linemen in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Just schools that come to my mind. Oregon is one of those that, that has some big boys that make the quarterback position easier, if that makes sense. Well, defensive line, uh, too, they have the potential n- number one pick in the 22 NFL draft in Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, probably the best defensive player in the country. So, 
And I think that's why maybe they're the front runners. And then, like you said, USC, depending on the quarterback play, could, you know, challenge them. And it's always a, you know, you don't, Oregon State could have zero wins, and people often forget about this. And it's in every conference. You, you, you travel to your rival or they come to your place, they always play to your, you know, your talent level, if that makes sense. Besides Georgia Tech, obviously, when they were running the triple option, that's just, you knew it was coming. Jamar Jefferson running all over Oregon last year at Oregon State. Uh, there, there's, one, there's one team in that uh, 11 to 15 range that neither one of you guys really talked about, and that's Miami. I think that they have a solid shot at yeah. being a yeah. top 10 team by the end of it. I'm not a De'Ara King believer, sorry. I think. He's he's experienced, but he's got to show up in big games. Yeah. Oh, well, I I think this might be the year that he takes that step. Lost Brevin Jordan, his trusty tight end. Not sure. Uh, defense lost a lot too. Greg Rousseau. Oh. Jalen. Uh, crap! What was Jalen's last name? I, Phillips. Yes, Jalen Phillips. And also, Quincy Roche, as well, gone. The only reason I didn't say anything about him is I, it's like every year, are they back? And they've <laughs> been they've been hovering, you know, 10, 15 in the 20s. And so, I mean, this is the year that they do have to step forward to get inside the top 10. I just don't know if they're going to do that with – Carolina having the quarterback play and Clemson's just a mad. I mean, what's a, a juggernaut is a good word right now. They do the same thing that Texas does every year when they win a big game. <laughs> uh, 16 through 20 here, LSU, Indiana, Iowa, Penn State, Washington. Talk about the Nittany Lions. So, I mean, it's... My favorite team in there if, is Indiana. If it's... If really it's like not him. this year, when are when is it gonna be your year, Sean Clifford? Like this is your third year as the starting quarterback for one of the most well known programs in the country, and he hasn't produced at all as a starting quarterback. The only issue is they haven't had a, a another option really to replace him, so that's why he's continued to be the starting quarterback. So. Yeah, Penn State. Their defense should be very good this year. Uh, they have a. They had some young linebackers last year. Young team overall, really. Um, their offensive line is solid. Hopefully, uh, the running backs can stay healthy this year, and their their receivers are great if the quarterback can get on the ball. <laughs> but that's been the biggest issue, and I think. Uh, if if Sean Clifford plays well, Penn State will contend with Ohio State. I, I think the most intriguing team on that set of five, though, is LSU. <laughs> I, obviously, they had that amazing season a few years ago with uh, Joe Burrow and co. winning the championship and all that. But then last year, they had such a bad season compared to that season before, like, I don't know. I To me, I feel like college is a lot more about 
the system and stuff, not as much about the players, because I feel like that's why teams like Alabama are able to be so good year in and year out, no matter who the players are. So it's just weird to see a team like LSU have a season like they did two years ago, and then all of a sudden turn around and throw up that kind of season that they did last year. Well, they beat Florida. They're kind of a wild (laughs) part of a team, I think. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I also have never seen – I mean, I guess a few times, but LSU had a lot of people drafted from that team. Like, people forget. Like, I haven't – I don't remember that many people leaving a national championship team. But I will say this. um, I'm not taking anything away from what you said because I agree. But they did get a little stability down the stretch with the quarterback play in Max Johnson, whose dad is Brad Johnson – um, quarterback, Super Bowl winning champion for Tampa Bay Buccaneers and lives here in the Athens area who married Mark Ritz, uh, one of Mark Rick's sister. And I only bring that up because I got to see him up close when I was coaching uh, basketball at the high school that he attended. But he did look good down the stretch, and I think that's going to solidify LSU a little bit better. I don't think they have a shot at winning the West unless – someone just steps up on both sides of the ball besides him. But I think you're going to see a little bit better LSU team. It is a little turmoil down there with all that stuff that happened in the administration. But I will say this. When is the last time that Indiana football is getting more publicity than Indiana basketball? That's never heard of. So I love the Hoosiers being ranked this high, I think the quarterback coming back, didn't he have an injury late in the season? Yep. That I think yeah. would have uh, maybe put him, um, you know, in a better position to beat Ohio State. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the healthy quarterback and what they can do um, in the Big Ten. Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. returns from injury, like Mark said. Their defense is going to be very good once again. Just like they were last year, they showed that they can stop Ohio State. They can stop pretty much anyone. It's just, can they get the offensive output? Possibly. The other Big Ten team there, Iowa. Again, I'm not a big believer. I talked about that on Monday. Good offensive line. They're going to be able to run the ball. I don't know about quarterback. Yeah, Tyler Goodson is a pretty good running back. But, yeah, Spencer Petras is... Not that great in my mind. Uh-huh. And I'll, I'll go back to LSU. Uh, yeah, they did beat Florida late in the season. I think that gave them a boost. And like you said, Max Johnson should uh, give them uh, a little boost there. 21 through 25, Texas, Coastal Carolina, Lafayette, uh, or Louisiana, I should say. Used to be UL Lafayette. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Utah and Arizona State. Let's go Coastal. <laughs> hey, hey! Grayson McCall returns. Uh, a lot a lot of guys return, actually. Um, but, yeah, Grayson McCall returns as the quarterback. They did lose uh, some guys from the Black Swarm defense there. But they should be fine. I, I think C.J. Uh, Marable returns as well, I believe. Isn't um so we're still on coastal, but this might tie into Louisiana. Are they in the same conference? CJ Marable did not is is on the Bears right now, so 
Who? Is Louis is Louisiana in the same conference too? Yes, Sun Belt. Yes. Oh, you got you have them. You have Liberty, and I'm just saying that because of the coaching that they have there. So I don't think it's a walkthrough, but. I mean, you need to build on what you had last year. You have your returning quarterback. You played a high-profile game in BYU and came out on top. And so why not move on from there? Couldn't, couldn't, and compete, couldn't complete the, the regular the, the season, though, I know, I know. in the bowl game. Not sure. Again, ESPN is so vague. Uh, I have to wait to see who plays week one. Because, you know, some guys it shows if they're on an NFL team right now, like C.J. Marable is, so they don't have their returning, their starting running back returning. The receiving combination of highly likely, <laughs> Javon Highly and Isaiah I mean, Likely. Um, we were watching the game last year, and now we were joking about that. And I, both of those show that they're seniors. So uh, I don't know if they're seniors this year or they're seniors last year. Last year, Because of the, you know, the, you can stay another year. So it's like. <laughs> Everybody gets an extra year as long as they didn't leave, so. Yeah, so who who knows? So if they lose those three guys, though, it, it's, it might be tough for, for Grayson McCall in his second year there. Texas is interesting. We won't talk too much about them right now. We got the 12 preview. They, yeah. have, they have a good run. They do have a great running back, and he said he would lean on them, and you have a new coach. And if anything that taught me about coaching the past few years, whether observing people at practice, being a sports management student or whatnot, having access to that, is the way that it was all Steve – that moved around Devontae Smith in the championship game, in my opinion. Not taking anything away from Nick Saban, but I think Nick Saban hires people, and, and as long as he agrees with it, he lets them do their job. Does that make sense? And I thought he had an absolute monstrous game plan in the championship. And so is that going to buy him some wins? Because I still think he's behind the eight ball uh, talent-wise, talent if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like I said, we're not going to delve too much into Texas right now. Uh, wait a little bit, but yeah, new coach, great running back, good to go. And the only other team, Arizona State, they had a good quarterback. Yeah, Jaden Daniels. Um, but I am going to go Louisiana. Levi Lewis returns as the quarterback, I believe. The Sun Belt's good, guys. That's all I'm going to say. Tough conference. Yeah, I believe Levi Lewis is returning. They did lose Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, their top two running backs, to the NFL. Um, looks like Kyron Lacey and Jalen Williams probably are returning. So, yeah, again, I, I just... Quarterback Levi Lewis is is a pretty solid one, and I believe he took his extra year because it shows him as a senior. So I, I and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he returned. Anyways, so yeah, that's the top twenty five. Quickly, we'll go through the preseason All American list. 
Um, it's weird that they do in the preseason. They only do two teams, but then in in the postseason they do t- three teams, right? Like, so it's, I don't understand why they only do two in the preseason though. So, anyways, quarterback uh, is Spencer Rattler. Actually, I think they only did one team of, of All-American. Yeah. They did offense, yeah. defense, and that was it. Yeah, it's only one team. So, yeah. yeah. So, quarterback Spencer Rattler. <coughs> my guy, Brees Hall from Iowa State is the running I, back. I, I love him. Love him. B. John Robinson for Texas is the other running back. Uh, wide receivers, Chris Olave from Ohio State. Justin yeah. Ross for Clemson, returning from serious neck injury last year. Neck surgery, I should say, not injury. Um, Tight end is Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M. Offensive tackle, Evan Neal for for Bama. Guard, Thayer Munford for Ohio State. Tyler Linderbaum is the center for Iowa. Uh, Kane Madden. From Notre Dame is the other guard. And then the other tackle, SEC again. Darian Kennard for Kentucky. Uh, finishing up the offense, all purpose, is Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State. I like that. Uh, Deuce Vaughn should, should wait on that one. But, <laughs> yeah, Deuce Vaughn's a good one. Defensively, Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end from Oregon. Easy, easy selection there. Dogs, D-tackle Jordan Davis. <laughs> Apparently down from 370 to 330 yeah, three, this year. <laughs> 330, yeah, 6'6", 370 last year, guys. 6'6", 330 now. Yeah, definitely Jeez. need him. Um the other D tackle, Clemson and Brian Breesey. They just reload every year on that line. Yeah. Uh, the other defensive end, Ochuan Mathis, TCU. Uh, never haven't really heard of him before, but six five. Yeah, so, he had some good games last year, and so I think they're think, thinking of him building on it. Yeah, 6'5", 257, redshirt junior. Linebacker, Will Anderson Jr. for Alabama. Just another Alabama linebacker. What's new? Uh, Devin Lloyd from Utah. And the last linebacker, Nick Benito for Oklahoma. Now... The thing I'll say about Nick Benito is he is not an off-ball linebacker. They put the All-American team in a 4-3 base. Right, right. But, yeah, Nick Benito is an outside linebacker and a pass rusher. He is not an off-ball linebacker. Eight sacks last year. I saw that and thought the same thing. Uh, Corners, Derek Stingley Jr. for LSU. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if he can replicate 19 or not. It's cornerback you, though, there. They know what they're doing. Right, but he played like crap last year. He did. <laughs> uh, the other corner, Ahmad Gardner for Cincinnati. Of course there's a 
defensive player from Cincinnati on the All-American preseason list. Uh, and his, his nickname is Sauce, apparently. Sauce Gardner. So, so um, does he make really good hot sauce, or <laughs> does he, is he just cool like that? I don't know, but he's uh, he definitely is experienced. He's been a starter since his true freshman season. Safeties. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. That's easy. Kyle Hamilton is regarded as one of the top defensive players in the unit in the country so and the other safety uh kyle hamilton notre dame by the way the other safety brandon joseph northwestern another guy i haven't really heard of too much but kind of like i said for gardner from cincinnati northwestern defender it's not a shock (laughs) so that's what they've been known for in the resurgence of the football team Yep, that and run the ball. Uh, special teams here. Place kicker is Cade York, LSU. Easily the best kicker in college football right now with uh, Evan McPherson off to Cincinnati with the Bengals. And then punter is Lou Headley for Miami. Guy again. I actually saw him kick last year against North Carolina, and he's got he's got a leg. Yeah, the former Australian rules football player. Apparently, he looks more like a linebacker, 6'4", 225. Did he kick last year? Am I wrong? I don't believe so. I'm wrong lately. I said uh, I'm not Shane sure. was a preseason god, and we all know he was a rookie. Who? On Monday. On Monday, I talked about Shane Michelle having uh, great preseasons before. I don't know. All right. Well, no, it, he did. He Miami led all FBS teams during the regular season in net punting. Yeah. Okay. Forty-seven. Forty-seven point two. My wife being a UNC grad, we we check, you know, the football games. A lot more basketball games, but football games. And I just remember him punting last year, and I was like, that was like the whole field almost. And she was like, oh, I don't notice things like that. And I was like, honey, that was a mega punt right there. Yeah, 47.2 yard average. He was a finalist for the Ray Guy Award, top punter in the country, and had 19 punts of 50 or more yards. Also forced 24 fair catches. And the last guy here on special teams is kick returner. That is Marcus Jones with Houston. Uh, led all FBS players in punt return yards, 337, and punt return average, 19.8 yards per return, 5'8", 185. Had a 72-yard punt return touchdown against Troy last year. I think it was Dante Hall. I mean, he was, what, 5'8"? Had more weight, obviously. 5'9". Yeah. Okay. NFL news. We got two trades that went on. We do have trade slides today. Um, first off, Panthers sending former second-round pick offensive tackle Greg Little to the Dolphins for a 2022 seventh-round selection. Talk about negative return on investment from the Panthers. Uh-huh. 
that's the first thing that came to my mind. Thank you for saying that. Just it's negative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. I mean, he he never worked out. Was injured some, and like I said, just you know, really just never worked out. So. Uh, got to cut your losses, and sometimes people just need to change the scenery. That's the, you know, that's the terrible part. He could go back. He can go to the Dolphins and become a Pro Bowler, and he'll look terrible. But he just didn't. He didn't do anything for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point you got to take. Yeah, I, I hope that's not the case here, but. Yeah, at some point you got to take what you can get as far as draft compensation. Some teams hold on to players too long, and then they get nothing. Other trade, player for player. Packers sending corner Josh Jackson, also a former second-round pick, as as far as I know, uh, to the Giants for corner Isaac Yadam, who the Giants traded for last year from the Broncos. Yadam, a third-round pick, I believe, a couple seasons ago. I, I, I don't know. You guys have an opinion on this one besides there's familiarity and things have been weird in Giants camp after the whole scuffle? I think the Giants got the better player. Um, mm-hmm. I think Josh Jackson is, is a lot better than Isaac Yadam is has been in their careers. I think Josh Jackson really got squeezed out, though. You mean, so Josh Jackson's a better player? I do, yeah. I do think that, yeah. Oh, the Green Bay Packers are getting a better player. No, no, the Giants are getting the better player. Oh, I got the arrow. <laughs> I, I didn't see this trade. I have the arrow with him going to the Packers. Sorry. No, 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 yeah. Uh, I just think that the Packers had, because they drafted Jackson in the second round. Right. At this point in his career, they were probably expecting him to be a starter. So they traded him with what they could get from the Giants for a backup corner, less salary cap hit. And the Giants get a potential third corner, I would think. This is just one of those very weird trades in any sport, really, where it's one for one in the same position. Mm Mm-hmm. I I like to see it though. I like I'm one of those weird people that kind of likes to see the equal one on one trades like that. So cap space culture a lot. how does how does it fit in the depth chart like, you know, mm-hmm. might be getting a better player but it might still bode well for the other team if that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of the times you the guys that they're trading really don't have that big of a shot at making the roster. But like I said, I think Josh Jackson does on the Giants. Not sure that Yadam will have a chance at the Packers roster or not. Well, are these two guys literally like the exact same position? Like, are they both like outside corners or slot corners? or Both outside, as far as I know. And they have the uh, their uniforms on. I, for some reason, just looked at the arrows. 
<laughs> yeah. But, um, okay. Back to NFL news, though. I need to read that. So, um, the Packers, they released their 1950s throwback jerseys, and I think they're pretty sick. I love throwback jerseys. I think they're pretty sick for what Nike did to them. We Uh, all know when you go to Madden and you're playing, I always go throwback Eagles jerseys, throwback Chargers, Rams, some of my three favorite throwback jerseys. Buccaneers throwback? Come on, guys. Yeah. And the Randall Cobb and Aaron Jones, you got David Bakhtiari there. But yeah, I absolutely love what they did to these jerseys, dude. That's the one thing I and so I I love this what they did to the jerseys. And I actually I'm a like a Nike brand loyalist. I always talk to people like I can't take a job in an Adidas school or Under Armour, but sometimes Nike he doesn't do a really good job with throwbacks compared to other apparel companies. And I like I like this one. Yeah, and there's the there's the full uniform. Um, it's gonna be, you know, you got the green, and it's just plain yellow helmet. So I should have put a stripe on the helmet. I'm not gonna lie, down the middle. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, these are a lot better than the other throwback ones they had, those blue and gold ones, right? <laughs> Which blue and gold ones? The Packers? Yeah, the Packers ones. Aren't they blue and gold with like that the circle on the front of the jersey? Oh. It's probably not gonna come up. Oh yeah, those ones? <laughs> you like those ones, Chris? Or are you talking about these ones? No. <laughs> there you go, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Ty Montgomery. And I don't know who 42 is. I don't know. But, yeah. I like them. I, I think... Uh, I know Peter Schrager. Or I think it was Peter Schrager... Got a uh, Bakhtiari one already. So the uh, let's go to your boy Chris Seahawks. They signed safety Jamal Adams to a four-year, seventy million dollar extension, thirty-eight million guaranteed. <laughs> the only way that that's worth that contract is if they switch him to a linebacker. Yeah, because he he's not a safety. <laughs> but they they had to sign him after the the trade that they made for him. They were not going to give up two first rounders and a third rounder or whatever else was in the deal. Yeah, for a half a season or whatever of Jamal Adams. This is very true. Um, <laughs> I I think, uh, or I know that. This contract 
the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely hated to see it. <laughs> absolutely. They uh, because then after that came out now. you know, you had the Chiefs started talking about Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. Like, well, Brett Veach said, well, you know, we're not sure if we have enough money right now. <laughs> so. I agree with uh, Chris. Like, you had to sign him after that whole trade. And you've, you've seen a lot of their defensive players go elsewhere over the last few years. So you had to sign them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the let's go to other signings. Well, the actually just some updated numbers from Monday. So the Jason Peters deal in Chicago. That ended up one year, one point seven five million, and the Michael Kendricks deal in San Francisco that came to one year, one point two one five million, on the qualifying for the veteran minimum benefit. Some trades. Uh, that are rumored right now. So the Eagles, they have received multiple calls for former first-round pick Andre Dillard. Um, he's injured right now, so probably not going to get traded at this point. Week-to-week uh, week with a knee injury. Should be returning next week, hopefully. A lot of people that I have heard from in the Eagles have said that it doesn't really matter when he comes back because Jordan Mailata has won the left tackle job anyways. So. Heard that. Read that. And the other guy that is being rumored to be in trade discussions right now is Cowboys offensive lineman Connor McGovern. Cowboys don't want to trade him. They think that he is a starter. Um, So that probably will not go down either. The other Connor McGovern. <laughs> so there are two. There are two out there in the NFL. So Okay, uh injuries from last night's game. The Eagles tight end Jason Kroom. He suffered a knee injury. It's feared to be a season ending knee injury for the tight end. They were once he got hurt. They were literally playing with two tight ends. It was Richard Rodgers and Jake Stoll, undrafted free agent there. Jake Stoll. Good name. Out of Nebraska, I believe. But, uh, yeah, and then Richard Rodgers eventually stopped playing in the game, getting his veteran rest for the rest of the game, and Jake Stoll got seven targets, so... (laughs) Probably going to make the team at this point for Jake Stoll if they keep four tight ends. Because Jason Kroon's gone. Tyree Jackson's out for eight to ten weeks. So 
Other injury for the Eagles last night, safety Kayvon Wallace. He hurt his groin. Haven't heard anything else about him. But uh, let's go to releases here. Releases and signings. Actually, actually, we'll, we'll stay on the injury front, I should say. The Eagles, um, they waived injured running back Carrion Johnson. He went unclaimed, so he reverted back to the Eagles' IR list. Done for the year, obviously being placed on IR at this point. The Bears, rookie offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. He underwent back surgery. Could be done for the year. Their expected left tackle this year. Hence the signing of Jason Peters. It was needed because they didn't have a left tackle. So You put a rookie quarterback out there, you better have a left tackle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if Jason Peters is really the answer, though. He's had his own issues. This is I, I guess I say that is because we've talked about one game, Fields looking okay. <laughs> you want him to look good and upright for the future. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, and I guess I didn't even uh, read that I had already put that on the script before I said it. But yeah, Eagles tight end Tyree Jackson suffered a fractured bone in his back out ten, eight to ten weeks. Doesn't uh-huh. have to get surgery. Non surgery rehab. I think the Eagles just, I mean, I don't know if this is fair to say. I might hire new medical staff. You guys are all. <laughs> they already did. You're <laughs> Stop eating Philly cheesesteaks. I know they're good, but jeez. They already did last season. <laughs> Just saying. But, yeah. So, uh, the Dolphins, they activated linebacker Elandon Roberts and wide receiver Preston Williams from the pup list. Great to see Preston Williams back. Adding to the... Uh, cash cow of receiving weapons that Tua has at his um, disposal. Packers, quarterback, Jordan Love, unlikely to play this weekend um, with his injury there. That leaves Kurt Bankert and Jake Dolagala, who they just re-signed um, this past week. So... And your Jets, Chris. Big time news. Uh-huh. Defensive end Carl Lawson rupturing his Achilles, done for the year. Yeah, that that was a big uh, big hit for us. Uh, obviously, he was one of the headlining free agents that they brought over this year. Um, Gosh, dang. And, yeah, he was having an amazing camp. He was having a standout camp this year, so... Uh, yeah, it just kind of it sucks to see that kind of thing happen <clears throat> to a guy like that who was poised for a breakout year. But uh, in terms of uh, the team, though, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's that major of an injury because I feel like the defensive line is one of the best parts of the Jets. Units on the Jets. 
we, even without Lawson, because they have such a they have so much depth on the line. Uh, so we'll have to see how that all shapes out. But yeah, it is a big loss, but I think that they can go without it. When that popped up on my phone, I said, "Chris is working, but we'll talk about it tonight." Uh, I wonder his opinion. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a tough loss, especially because it's free agent signing. Big money free agent signing, too. So, at least Corey Davis hasn't got hurt yet. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope that's the last major injury that, that the Jets have to deal with this year. Well, the other one that was major, not as impactful on the field, um, Jet safety Zane Lewis tore his patellar tendon and sprained his I'm not sure if it was ACL or MCL, because Rappaport reported that it was his ACL. Schefter reported that it was his MCL that he sprained. So one of his ligaments in his knee he sprained, though, <laughs> along with tearing his patellar tendon. His season is in doubt. Undrafted rookie out of Air Force. Yeah, I don't know if he was going to make the team anyway. So, like you said, it's not as impactful of, of an injury. Um, especially being that the safety position is another position where the Jets are relatively deep at right now so and yeah he like like you said he wasn't even a big player so I, I don't really know if that injury affects the Jets whatsoever that might have just made one of their decisions easier um, the Browns linebacker Jacob Phillips he tore his biceps likely done for the season um 2023rd round pick there with Cleveland. Very impactful there. So let's go to some releases. Obviously, we had to cut down to 85 this week on Tuesday at 4 p.m. So uh, the biggest one, the Jags, they released tight end Tim Tebow. Twitter was uh, a mess. That day, everyone was crying. I might have shed a tear. <laughs> I did. I I did. I did. Poured one out for for Tim Tebow's NFL career. <laughs> well, we all know that um, the monetary value of this, he still makes a lot of money. But I, I still go back to the guy won a playoff game. I know that the quarterback. Positions not in play anymore, but um, some people root for him, right? And some people just don't like him at all. But in history, whatever you want to write, if they're sports historians, you got to say that he's one of the best athletes ever, right? Like he didn't crack the Major League Baseball roster, but he still hit home runs at all the minor league levels. He's won playoff games. He almost cracked a roster as a tight end. Like, now the guy just needs to get into to powerlifting, right? Am I wrong? Can someone <laughs> back me on this? The dude looks like he can lift as much as The Rock. I want to see him and The Rock work out together one day. Be in a movie together one day. I'm just like, I don't understand why they had to use him as an actual tight end. Why couldn't they just use him as a receiving tight end? Because 
Why can't he be Taysom Hill? Their options at the tight end position in Jacksonville are very limited. <laughs> it, I mean, am I wrong saying you couldn't use him as Taysom Hill? Is he not? I thought that that's what they were going to do. Like, you don't have to sign him to a $21 million contract, right? But, like, give him the minimum and use him. And can he not run down the field and tackle someone on special teams? I mean, I don't know if you saw the one clip of him trying to block a guy. But oh, dude, it was. His blocking was atrocious, dude. It was terrible to watch. I did not see that, but I will say this. And I know that we are purists when it comes to sports, but it is a business, right or wrong. It's a business. And you're telling me the Jaguars wouldn't have sold more tickets or more jerseys if he didn't make the roster? The New York Mets, he's the only time that a minor league jersey has ever been sold in major league stadiums. Well, like, wasn't Tebow's Jaguars jersey already in like the top 10 this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was down on the at the Jersey Shore on vacation for the last couple of weeks. And I went to one of the arcades down there and in the arcade they had a Tebow Jaguars jersey like on sale for tickets in one of the arcades. <laughs> so they used yeah. to give in the military. They used to come on base and hand out tickets to the Jaguar games for free to military people. <laughs> they knew military people would go and drink. Obviously, I don't drink. You guys know that. Um, <laughs> but he would have sold tickets. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Well, he already did. He he served his purpose. <laughs> Him and Trevor Lawrence served their purpose in the in the off season. Because I believe the Jags sold out their tickets, their season tickets. Um, goal line? You couldn't use them in the goal line situation? He would have got open, guys. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were going to talk about running. I was like, dude, Trevor Lawrence big enough to run that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Other releases. Giants, they let go of running back Alfred Morris. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He had some great years, or he, you know, he had a few good years in Washington. Wasn't terrible in Dallas. In Dallas too. Yeah. He's gonna sign with the Eagles. Complete I, the I NFC sweep. Glad you said that because I do think that even if it's late in the season, like he's gonna get carries this season. Does that make sense? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but someone's got to have carries for him. Definitely. The Rams. It the Rams. The Rams don't have a place for him. Yeah. Well, they're going to sign Adrian Peterson. So. Yeah, as I was say, there's still other <laughs> free agent running backs I think that are better than him. So. Um, I, I agree there. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I don't. Know. It just he seems like he's got a few carries left here. Forgot to say uh, one other injury. The e- <laughs> the Eagles. <laughs> Defensive end Derek Barnett, he's day to day with a shoulder injury, has had shoulder issues before. Um so day to day is good, just that it's a shoulder issue is not considering what his history of shoulder in- injuries are. The last release to talk about here, sad one, end of an era. The Lions, they released long snapper Don Mulbach. The 
second most games ever played in a Lions uniform. <laughs> 17 seasons for Don Mulbach. 260 career games as a Lion. One of the greatest Lions ever. Wait, to add to that, though, did you hear that they released him on his birthday? No. <laughs> yeah, it was his 40th birthday, and they released him on his birthday. Classic Lions. Love to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't even know who they're going with, either. Because they didn't... Uh-huh. It's not like they drafted one like, um, like the Panthers did. So... Uh, and then a couple signing, or no, one other waived the Niners. They waived quarterback Josh Rosen. Uh, ended his time in San Francisco. So no one claimed Josh Rosen either on waivers, so he's a free agent now. And then uh, the Saints signed, signing a couple guys, actually. They signed wide receiver Kevin White, formerly released of the from the Niners this offseason. Saints need receiver help. Uh, the Saints also signed kicker Aldrich Rosas with uh, the Will Lutz injury. And then uh, they worked out safety Jeff Heath and Anderson Deho, and they just signed Jeff Heath uh, because they said P.J. Williams might have to play corner instead of safety, considering how shallow they are at corner this year. Yeah, I, I mean, the Saints are all sorts of messed up this year. They're done. They got so many, so many injuries, so many uh, cap, cap issues still. I don't know. I don't know what direction they're planning on going right now, but I do, I do think that the signing of Rosas is actually – a pretty good signing because uh, back when he was with the Giants, he had a couple good seasons there. And, uh, I mean, obviously Will Lutz is a much better kicker, but I'm I'm fine with Alder Grossos being the kicker for now. They're done. We're writing them off right now. The New Orleans Saints are I'm done. Not, I'm not ready to do that yet. I think they could still <laughs> snag that seventh seed. That's the first thing that I thought of. Like, Drew Brees is gone. You know, it's retirement. It's apart. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, debacle. Like, hey, bottom feeders this year. Sean Payton should jump ship while he can. He really should. Be like, I want to trade. Sean Payton, go ask, go ask for a trade. Um, I know someone that would take him in a heartbeat. I'm just going to say. That? Jerry Jones. Just just call Jerry Jones. No, he likes his big Texas boy. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> like going to say, McCarthy. he's still having a bit of love fest with McCarthy down there. Everybody that I know that's a Cowboys fan has wanted Sean Payton since they came to San Antonio for in Oklahoma City for the uh, Hurricane Katrina. I'm sure he could do something with, with Drew Locke in Denver, though. Or Chicago. Both those oh, coaches on the hot imagine, seat. Imagine them in Chicago. That's a good one. That's a good one. That Chicago team sort of set up like the 09 Saints anyways. Uh, 
How about Belichick's successor one day? Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Josh McDaniels. That's Josh McDaniels. Okay. Let's go to the Big 12 rev- preview here. This is how I see it. Uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Kansas. Now, here is my rant. Iowa State, y'all. I was on the train on Iowa State by midseason last year, and I carried it the whole way through the Big 12 championship and the bowl game. They didn't get it done. They didn't win the Big 12. They should have. They had the pieces. Everyone returns for Iowa State. Mostly everyone, anyways. You have Brock Purdy at quarterback. Brees Hall at running back. They have good enough wide receivers. Their offensive line is great. Mike Rose Jr. at linebacker for the defense. What's not not to like in uh, Ames? I think this is a 1-2 race. With the top two teams that you have, I think who can stay healthy? Spencer Rattler is supposed to. I mean, we know the talent that he has. He had some hiccups at the beginning of the season. I think that's out of his system. But Iowa State can easily overtake them. After that, I don't disagree. I actually, though, think Gary Patterson and TCU could easily be the third team after that. And I don't have much to say after that. I mean, it's like any other conference. Teams are going to upset people. I think it's a one-two race. And can TCU get into the top three? It's always funny, though, because you are – every year you pretty much know, you know, who the, who the bottom team is going to be. <laughs> it's Kansas. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Kansas – I was going to make a joke like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you make them, you know, the top list? Because they're that bad, guys. They're, they're, they are bad. They do That's have a they young quarterback. they put all their resources into basketball. They do have a young quarterback who isn't terrible, though. You know, obviously, like we said, he's on a terrible team. But I think their quarterback position is not that bad as the rest of the team is. Granted, they would, did they did lose to Coastal Carolina at home, but we know Coastal's good. So. For them to make, you know, it would be fun to see them knock off of some teams, if that makes sense. It would be fun. Texas. It's going to be Texas. Gosh, wouldn't that? <laughs> oh my but, yeah, so Oklahoma, you know, Spencer Rattler and whatnot, Lincoln Riley is – if Nick Saban weren't here, Lincoln Riley would probably be crowned as the best coach in college football. Um, he, he's a quarterback whisperer. It all depends on the defensive side of the ball. Well, and they've been improving every season since Alex Grinch got there. Yep. So, Texas, though, like I said, is interesting. Bijan Robinson question is who replaces sam ellinger at quarterback uh, i have no idea who that is so <laughs> i can't tell you only, that's the only thing that i would say about texas like i've already you know gave my opinion on steve as a, a play caller which i really like him 
you know, are they going to stack the box and make the new quarterback beat people? Is that going to be a problem? I could see Robinson falling off the All-American first team to like second or third because he doesn't have that quarterback play. Yeah, could could uh, what happened to Chuba Hubbard last season could possibly happen to Bijan Robinson this year? You know, it's Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders went down for Oklahoma State at quarterback early in the season. And they were just stacking the box against Chuba Hubbard, and he really just couldn't get anything going. So, we will go to Oklahoma State and the mullet uh, next, Mike Gundy. They're always competitive. They always seem to get, you know, eight wins at the very least. So, they just have not really ever played defense. I mean, they're not... They're not the worst. That's that's for sure. They they do they have had players. It's just their offense has always carried them. So their quarterback play will should get more. I guess a good word I would use would be solidified. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I believe they do still have returning the the running back that was the backup to Chuba last year, who actually did produce when Chuba was struggling. Uh, which was weird to see, but yeah, I I think Oklahoma could be fine. Eight nine wins for them probably. The rest of the teams I really didn't have much knowledge about. Um, TCU. The reason I put them there is because Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson consistently puts out teams that are built on defense. Pretty much the only the only Big Twelve team that's actually built on defense, uh, and. That's how they try to win games. So, I don't know too much about their offense. Kansas State, I like them. Um, they're always an upset candidate. And, like I said, when we were going over preseason uh, All-Americans, Deuce Vaughn, one of the best all-purpose guys out there. Kick return, punt return, running the ball, catching the ball. Can do it the, before we leave the Big 12, I do want to remind people, you know, Max Dugan is coming back for TCU. That's why I said maybe they become third. And you still have a five-star recruit and running back Zach Evans, and you still have receiver Quentin Jackson. And like you said, TCU's defense has, has usually been a stronger defense in the Big 12. And I know they're still only projected to be five, but you know if they can score enough points and stop stop some people, I think they could eventually get that number three seed. I don't I don't think they're good enough to be in the one two conversation by any. Yeah, defensively, TCU has to replace Trayvon Merrig um, at safety. So, and like I said, Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia. I have no clue what's going on in those three camps so and i don't either i know west virginia is usually a hard out though especially when you you travel there the reason i I guess i love tcu besides the players they have we all know ladani and thompson one of my favorite nfl and college players ever came from there 
So I always wanted to succeed. The Horned Frogs. I remember with Damian Thompson's 406 yards rushing um, the last year he was at TC. Okay. Uh, so, bowl teams for Big 12. Uh, I'm probably just going to say five, uh, five. The top five. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State. I agree with that. Yeah. Do you get a, do you get a 500? My question is, do you get a 500 team at number six? Possibly. Baylor? Uh, Baylor would definitely be the only one I could see. Um, unless Texas Tech surprises, which they could, but I doubt it. Remember when West Virginia used to actually be good, though? What happened there? Yeah, back in the Geno Smith days. When, well, <laughs> when when Dana Holgerson, Dana Holgerson, Will, Meyer, Will uh, or um, Will Greer, Will Greer. I mean, they you know they went in and played competitively at Texas that year. It was like double overtime or overtime game was the last time that I remember them. Well, like I said, they went downhill right when Dana Holgerson left for Houston. So, which was a weird that he left because he went. I I agree with you here. With you, that was like unheard of someone going from like a supposedly power five to a a not power five. Power six. Houston Houston has – Houston has some money, man, and they have one of the best college game. To, like, if you've ever not to get off track, but if you've never, if you ever go to a Houston football game, it's really fun. They it's set up like a professional baseball. I equate it to like going to a professional baseball game. They have like an open deck where you can drink beer and socialize with your friends and stand up instead of just sitting down in your seat. And that's why I'm like, how has someone not scooped up Houston? Their basketball team was in the Final Four. Like, if I'm an AD, I'm trying to scoop up Houston. Well, they got four years to to figure out this realignment uh, until 2025. So, okay, let's go to the MAC. The MAC. Mid American Conference. Now, the MAC is always solid, too. Uh, I think the Sun Belt has kind of taken over what the MAC used to be, though. In the in the 2010s, the MAC was fantastic. You know, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. Uh, you also had some quality seasons from uh, Kent State, Miami, Ohio, back with Big Ben in the 2000s. But this is how it sets up now. This is how I look at it. Uh, based off who's returning and who I believe is returning. Um, Didn't look too in-depth. But we have the MAC East on the left, MAC West on the right. Buffalo, I still think they are the leading one on the East. Uh, The East is tough. Buffalo, Kent State, Ohio are three teams that I think are going to be very close. Buffalo losing Jarrett Patterson was a big deal. But they do return his running mate in Kevin Marks Jr. Kyle Van Trees is back uh, at quarterback. And I believe they return some receivers too. Uh, 
And uh, Buffalo's defense is always nasty as well. I, uh, you know, I'm going to pick it back off what you're saying because the East, in my opinion, is loaded compared to the West, if that makes sense. And I'm not disagreeing because I obviously, you know, none of us follow the Mac as much as we read about it and watch games here and there. But I can see Ohio is returning actually two viable options at the quarterback position. They are getting um, elevating an assistant coach to the head coaching position, but he's got a stacked roster. I could see them finishing first because of what Buffalo lost or even Miami of, of Ohio. Like any of the top four teams, I could actually my I think my I would put Kent State third or fourth. But that's not knowing. That's like reading articles, if that makes sense, and, and seeing roster turnovers. And so I don't think you can get wrong with this preview. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio or Miami of Ohio, it, it, it goes one of those two teams second, if that makes sense. I think what Buffalo has done the last few years, they're still in the, the driver's seat. Yeah, the thing I love about Kent State – is I believe that Dustin Crum is returning for a sixth season. Um, so if he is, that's initially what makes Kent State contenders um, because Dustin Crum is a very underrated quarterback. And I was even hearing last season. Yeah, he's coming back. He is coming back. I was even hearing last season that he was a potential sleeper for the draft last year this this year um so i wouldn't be surprised if if he can lead them to a a mac championship but yeah like you said ohio um bowling green and and akron they're they're down bowling green though i will say this they could surprise some people on where they finish in their division because bowling green is on the up and up they have been they they broke it all down uh, I think two years ago, I, I believe it was. And yep, they they're, they're starting to build it back up. So, I, I uh, this this uh, only thing I can say is this side of the division could look exactly this way, or it it could just look kind of. I guess a word would be chaotic. Like maybe they beat up on each other. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like I think this division is is head and shoulders better than the West division. Yeah, so the West, I have Ball State taking it. Um, I think Toledo is a close second. The The last four all have big question marks. Western Michigan, Northern, Northern Illinois, and Eastern and Central Michigan. When I looked at some of the guys returning there, Ball State, by far, um, has the best players. I mean, Drew Plitt returning um Caleb Huntley not returning but they I think Drew Plitt and just Justin Hall both returned Johannes Tyler also returning this year so the receivers should be good for Drew Plitt Toledo I, um I agree with you on on the standings for one and two, because I think Toledo 
I'm pretty sure if I rip has to replace their quarterback. Oh, Eli Peters isn't back. And that's going to be the difference in Ball State, I think, taking the division. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by, by far. Yeah. So. Although Carter Bradley did get some work last year through 89 passes, 849 yards, nine touchdowns to five interceptions. So, yeah, he's the incumbent. Yeah. Yeah, so a good a good amount of work for him last year as a sophomore. And like I said, the the last four teams all were just so 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 for me. I put Western Michigan there um, at four because of Caleb Ellaby, the quarterback. Um, they they lost Dwayne Eskridge, but they do return Sky Moore, who I like a lot. <laughs> And also Jalen Hall at the receiver position. So didn't um, <clears throat> I know Northern Illinois had a new coach last year? Only I think they only got to play six games, but they didn't win a game last year. And some of that, a lot of it, actually was for for COVID issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are replacing their quarterback as well. Because I believe Ross Bowers was not staying, so that was the the big if for me was quarterback position for Northern Illinois and Eastern. I put East initially. I put Eastern Michigan under Central Michigan, but Peyton Hutchinson back at the quarterback position. Uh, they also have guys returning at the at the receiver and tight end position, Hassan Bedoun and um, Tanner Canoe. Uh, I think it's just new, uh, but I always like to say Canoe because it's K-N-U-E. <laughs> and also Keon Williams as well. So I, that's why I liked them. Central didn't return much, really. Uh, they Their quarterback is back, Daniel Richardson. Um, but I just was not that big on, on the guys that they did return. Biggest name for me was Khalil Pimpleton, probably. Uh, they also returned Dallas Dixon at, at the receiver position, so the receiver should be fine. I'm just not sold on the quarterback in the running game. So I think Eastern could literally finish third to, in the West. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but Max Champ, I'm actually going to go Ball State. I like it. Over I like that. Yeah. So. I get behind that. I like that they don't have to, you know, get beat up the way the East does. Yeah, I just think it's it's going to be tough. I think it was Ball State Buffalo this year too for the MAC championship. I believe it was last year. Um, so rematch, and I think Ball State gets them again because they got them. They got them this past season as well. Even with you know all the guys that Buffalo had, Derek Patterson, Kevin Marks, the running game, they couldn't get going early on against Ball State's quality defense and. That was really the game because the Buffalo couldn't throw the ball 
and they couldn't do their run game. So, I am. Uh, I'm gonna go on the ledge, and I'm gonna say Ball State. I want to say someone besides Buffalo. If I have to decide somebody, I actually. I didn't realize Kent State was bringing back their quarterback. I'll go Kent State and Ball State. We'll go two state schools. That uh, that would be a a really good. I mean, I think any of these matchups would be quality championship game here. So. Okay, as far as bowl teams go in this one, I th- think I'm gonna go four. Are five. Five with the potential to be seven, though. My solidified five are Buffalo, Kent State, Ohio, Ball State, Toledo. The six, I'll throw my Ohio in there. <clears throat> the six and seven, there's two spot. There's two spots for three teams. Miami, Ohio, Western Michigan, and Eastern Michigan. I know it looks weird because I have Northern Illinois above Eastern Michigan, but like I said, Eastern has a lot of potential. But yeah, I think five. Yeah, I think definitely. I think one of the Michigan teams definitely does get into one of those spots. Yeah, five definitely up to seven possibly for the MAC. Okay, let's go into game previews here. I didn't, I didn't make slides like we do in the regular season for the preseason games because we're just going to roll through them. Not as many storylines to talk about with each team. So, starting tonight, we have two games. Uh, Chiefs, 1-0, three-point favorites at the Cardinals, who are also 1-0. Uh, over-under is 41, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Chiefs actually three and a half point favorites now, but again, I, I have no clue. You know, every team has been taking this preseason just so weirdly, with all the yep. joint joint practices that have been going on. You just don't know who's gonna play. So joint, you mean? I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think the Cardinals will play their starters. Kyler Murray's going to play. I mean, Patrick Mahomes played in the first one. I didn't expect him to play, even though he only threw the ball twice. Um, so he'll probably play in this one if he played in the first one, uh, probably the first quarter or so. So, yeah, I, I think that's – Rondale Moore, we'll have to see what he does as a, as a second game here with the Cards. I would love to see some of the first strings play. I think this is an intriguing matchup, but you just don't know who's going to get snaps and reps. That's what I was going to say. I I wish this was a regular season game because I think this would be a great game to watch if it was a full game of the starters playing against each other. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, in this game, though, I think I'm going to be looking at the the Chiefs receivers because – We've been talking about it forever now, but after uh, after Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs receiving core isn't that great. So I'm interested to see who stands out above the rest. 
Oh, I already know who's going to stand out. It's my guy. My deep <laughs> sleeper and should be rostered on every single team. I'm telling you guys, he is the number two wide receiver in Kansas City. Granted, number three technically with Travis Kelsey. But the number three target in Kansas City is still going to get you enough fantasy points to be a flex. So, well, it is long passes. That number three is going to be all about speed. And it's the Marcus Robinson. He's been there. He's had some great games with Patrick Mahomes before. This season, he's going to have a full season of greatness with Patrick Mahomes. Though. What about? I'm, I'm just. I'm not ready to commit to that yet. <laughs> what about Meikle down the sideline? I I don't like Meikle. Nope. Nope, I I am not a fan. Not that I like him, but you know, is this his year where he makes a jump, or are they just going to keep using him how they use him? Well, right now the fight is between Miko and Demarcus Robinson for the number two wide receiver spot. And I don't, like I said, I don't believe in Miko. So <laughs> after he had some drops, dropped some punts, fumbled the ball away a bunch. Nope. <laughs> Well, they didn't use him right at UGA to get him ready for the NFL either. Cornell Powell is also a wild card, but rookie fifth-round pick, not probably going to make a top-two spot. I will be watching him, though, in the preseason. Second game, other game tonight, Bengals 1-0, heading to Washington to face the football team 0-1, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, for the football team, over-under is 32. Let's see if that stands. No, 35 now. Uh, 8 o'clock NFL Network. So you have to have multiple screens to watch these games simultaneously. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure Joe Burrow is happy that this isn't a regular season game because he'd be running for his life the entire game if it was a regular season game. He's not playing. Look. Exactly. Look, I'm going to piggyback off that. I got two things for this game. Got to see the quarterback play for the Washington football team. And secondly, Chase Young could be the face of the NFL on the defensive side of the ball, taking over for people like J.J. Watt, um, my man in L.A., Aaron Donald. The guy is a straight beast. Yeah, true. We'll have to see how uh, see how many of the Bengals' first teamers play. I believe they they are playing the first team just sans Joe Burrow, uh, as far as I know. So that'll be a, a good test to see how the remade Bengals' offensive line is working um, against. And what do the receivers look like? Yeah. Uh, Wait, yeah. who is the Bengals' backup quarterback though? Uh. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 signed someone because they were they traded Finley. Um, That's what I'm saying. I couldn't remember who it is though. It's not Brian Hoyer. Uh, <laughs> is, is he it, on the Patriots again? Is it? Yeah, he's still on. Is it still Brandon Allen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got snaps last game. Yeah, Kyle Shermer and Brandon Allen are the other two quarterbacks on the roster. So. Brandon Allen will throw the ball a lot tonight. There you go. 
Well, they beat the Bucks last week, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, massive, massive slate of games tomorrow on Saturday. When does this start? I need to know the start time. Bills 1 and 0 heading to Chicago to face the Bears 1 and 0. Uh <laughs> Trubisky <Yeah>. revenge game. <laughs> yes, Jake Fromm. It is uh Chicago's four and a half point favorite. Over under is set at 38. That is at one o'clock on NFL Network. And yeah, uh we'll we'll see if uh, Jake Fromm gets a gets another chance to show what he can do. <laughs> uh, I believe Josh Allen will play in this one. And Five we'll have to snaps. See. We'll have to see what uh, Justin Fields can do. Sweet. Five snaps. So. <laughs> Next game, Chris, your Jets one and zero and a two and a half point favorite. Heading to face the Packers in Green Bay, who are 0-1. Over-under is set at 32. 425 NFL Network. I'm excited for that one. Just like with all the other rookie quarterbacks, I'm excited to see Zach Wilson play a little bit more than he did last week. Uh, And I don't know if this is just me being a homer. I don't think it is, but I think that Wilson looked possibly the best out of all the rookie quarterbacks in week one, so... Possibly. I'm I'm just looking forward to him uh, building on what he did last week. He had glimpses. I can't say that he didn't. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know if I want to go as far as look the best, but um, I, to I guess a, a phrase I would use is he looks the most ready to take the keys because I don't think they have another option. Josh Johnson, baby. <laughs> no. I Mike think the White. offense is built around him moving forward, and can he get enough protection to keep showing everybody that he does have the talent? Because I hate to say this, Derek Carr's brother could have been a really good quarterback, but he got sacked so many times in Houston, you never got to really see what what he was capable of. James Morgan, Mike White as well <laughs> in New York. I mean, I think I'd rather see one of those two over Josh Johnson. Hey, man. Josh Johnson had a quality season in the XFL. <laughs> uh, yeah, looking to see uh, the Zach Wilson to Corey Davis connection continue to flourish there. Packers-wise, we're not going to see much. I mean, like I said, Kurt Bankert is going to start. Um, so it'll be him and Jake Dolagala for the entire game. I think that the Jets could go two and zero. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, it depends. Probably. You know, we'll, we'll have to see if, if the Packers are playing their starters. I believe they will on defense. There's no reason why not to on defense. Uh, it's just, yeah. do, you, do you play your starting yeah. offensive players with your third string quarterback? And I think that's really good for what you're talking about, Wilson. I want to see him against more first-string defensive people. And if he has a game this weekend, then, hey, man, maybe you should jump on uh, the bandwagon. I don't know if it's too early or not. Definitely would be a good test for those young tackles that the Jets have. 
the Smith brothers come into play in that one, Preston and Zadarius. Next game, Ravens 1-0 and and uh, three-and-a-half point favorites going to Charlotte for the against the Panthers, 0-1. Um, Over-under is set at 36, and this one is at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Is there is there a uh, quarterback controversy in in Carolina? No. Or is Sam Donald the the quarterback? Yes. Because <laughs> I don't know. I I heard rumblings after uh, the preseason game last week that people were saying that PJ Walker should be the quarterback. Yes, PJ looked good against the Colts. Will Gurr looked like crap. Um, <laughs> but no. I, I believe uh, Sam should play in this one, possibly. I'm not exactly, not 100% sure, but because they, they were doing joint practices with the Ravens, so I actually don't think that the starters will play, probably. Um. I mean, this doesn't have the intrigue of, like, a rookie under center or anything like that, but I think this would be more of a football watching game if that makes sense like if you're a purist and love to see coaches run their defenses and how they line people up i think this can be a fun game in that way yeah we'll have to see who actually plays that quarterback for the ravens um we know trace mcsorley got hurt last week unsure if lamar is going to play if he does it's not going to be that much obviously and then you got uh Tyler Huntley, I believe, is is the third string. And I don't think they have four. I think they only have three. So As far as I know, they don't they don't have four. Yes, yeah, so really it, it might be it might turn into the Raiders the Raiders game week one where Tyler Huntley's playing the entire game. Um good for him if he does. So <coughs> Falcons 0 and one at Dolphins 0 and one. Uh, Miami favored by five here. Under over under thirty six as well. Seven o'clock kickoff as well. Tua, I'm hyped to watch Tua play. Obviously, I won't be able to because it's not on national TV. So, um, might have to see if I can stream it somewhere. I think of a high scoring game. Let's I don't know hope why, not. It let's, brings me to a high-scoring game for some reason. Let's hope Every not. Falcons game is going to be a high-scoring game. I guess that's the reason, because you have Falcons in the name, even though it's preseason. Yeah, well, the Falcons, they only scored three points last week. I know. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I just, this game just, I don't, each game's different in the NFL. I don't know why it comes to mind. I'm not saying, don't listen to me, I just... When I think of it, the preseason and these two teams getting together, it's like, okay, let's see what we can do. Because we know that the the Miami's defense can do. Does that make sense? They've got to give second string and third string looks because you know their first string is going to be light, lights out normally in the regular season. And you got to get throws to Tua when he's out there. Like, you're not getting I, – I, you want to protect his, his injuries, but – do you really want to bring him in to hand off the ball? Like, I want to see what he can do in preseason. 
to get it down the field. And then on the other side of the ball, like, let's see what Pitts can do if you're going to give him reps. Let's send him, send him down field. Can we put him, you know, out wide? What's he going to do blocking? But I want to see what he can do downfield as well. And so I think about it, it all comes back to completing passes. Who's under center, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Matty Ice is going to play in this one or not. Um, or or any of the starters because they didn't play in the first one. But I hope if they do, it's not for long. So then it won't be high scoring because I have the under in this game. Um, under six, huh? Yes. Anything anything thirty five, anything over thirty five this week, I have the under on. So well, you really don't. I mean, I think you're correct on that. That's why I said you shouldn't listen to me because what preseason game has been high scoring besides? Panthers Colts last night in Panthers Colts. Yeah, so I, I'm praying. I'm praying for all unders. <laughs> Low scoring. We don't want points, people. This is this is not the regular season. We don't need points yet, y'all. Um, but yeah, I'm hyped to see Tua again um, with with the offensive weapons there. Uh, Preston Williams might even make an appearance since he's off the pup now. So, okay, next one: Lions zero and one at the Steelers, who are two and zero. Pittsburgh six and a half point favorites. Over under is set at thirty seven seven thirty, NFL Network. I love it, dude. Steelers are looking great right now, and, and Big Ben's gonna play in this one. I can't. I can't say anything else. The Steelers have looked good, and I think the more games in the preseason you play, you have an upper hand on teams that haven't. Does that make sense? Um, what I think is intriguing about this matchup is what if ben, Big Ben does come in and they don't look good? That doesn't mean that he's not going to start or that he's washed up, but it is a <clears> – what's a good word? It, it's something that could happen. <coughs> what if he comes in and turns the ball over? Um, what if he looks good again? Like what? I think it could be intriguing in Pittsburgh this year. First off, they're playing the Lions, so. <laughs> yeah, but the Lions are always a preseason juggernaut. No, they're not. <laughs> I will. You know why? They lost to Jake Fromm last week. <laughs> the only thing I had to say about the Lions is I really can – I really – personally, this not might not be everybody that follows football. I can get behind what Dan Campbell is trying to build there, and I think what he's trying to build is not something that can happen immediately overnight. Well, I, I hope it doesn't because I have, I have under five wins for the Lions this year. Um. <laughs> you guys know I don't like their quarterback. So Me neither. I think we are a quarterback away from – I mean, there's some other places they need to get better. But I think that they hired somebody that is is a Detroit hardworking guy. They need to get a quarterback. They need to get another dominant person on the defensive line. They might have some names there, but just do it all season. And – Going in the few, you know, in three years when we have this podcast, they might be a different team. 
definitely need defensive players. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I like the Steelers in that one. Titans one and zero at the Bucks zero and one. Bucks favored by one point. Over under is thirty five. Uh, Seven thirty Eastern for that one. I feel like that's one of the games this week that has a chance of being very high scoring. That's I don't know fun. why, just that game stands out to me as one of the potentially a high scoring games. See, right. That's fine. I didn't take that I'm one. I'm not even going to say any football thing. I'm going to say something that people are going to laugh about Taylor Swift and um, Kendrick Lamar. I just want to say bad blood. After this week, when the coaches had to come on ESPN and talk about how they've had to restrain everybody, we got bad blood, and I think this is going to be fun to watch, even as a preseason game. Yeah, I think the first quarter should be very good in that one. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Tom Brady. Got the Bucks defense. Great times. Texans 1-0 at the Cowboys 0-2. Texas showdown here. Uh, cow, cowgirls favored by three and a half. Over, <laughs> over under is thirty-seven. Um, now that that one can be high scoring for one team. That one's eight o'clock. Well, the thing is, though, the Texans beat the Packers last week. <laughs> yeah, but the Packers don't play anybody in the preseason. So. They played. Hey, they played Jordan Love, didn't they? Jordan Love got injured. Jordan Love isn't anything special anyway. <laughs> I love it, Chris. Come at him, Packers fans. Come at him. <laughs> I'm with you on that, Chris. I think that is going to go down as one of the worst. Okay, I won't say it. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm intrigued about the Texans and the quarterback position because who have you been talking up? I want to see more of him, Rusty, and will we? Yeah, dude, Davis Mills uh, liked what I saw last week besides the interception and, and, and 50% completion. But, yeah, Tyrod will start. I, I don't think they're going to play Deshaun in the in the preseason. Or so. any time? I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, there, there's no status on his right. legal trial yet, right? So. He's still eligible for week one right now. Yeah. You guys, and not to interrupt or make this any longer, I don't know if you guys saw that the FBI actually got involved this week with his cases. I don't I don't know what to think about that besides it's a higher criminal investigation than what it was before, and so that's never a good look. Well, uh, what I was intrigued, though, besides talking about the quarterback, the Texans look good at other positions in their first game. I know they were only playing the Packers. That's because they signed everybody in free agency. They have, like, first-team players as the, in their third-string position. Well, maybe you got to give kudos to the GM. I don't know. I still think it's a dumpster fire. But <laughs> I've said this on this show before. Tyrod Taylor has been on some winning teams, even though – Everybody thinks he's a great backup. Well, uh, yeah. I don't know. And it's not like they play in a juggernaut division. Think about it. You, you The Titans are, are head 
Hills above everybody else, but could they not come second? No. <laughs> well, yeah, especially with the Carson Wentz injury, I think that the second spot is now open. But I'm going off that injury. They're still better than the Jaguars, but, right? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the Cowboys, anyways, we're not going to see Dak. Uh, likely we will see Zeke, though, uh, and the starting offense to go with uh, – not sure who's going to start. I believe it would be Garrett Gilbert. I think he has the upper hand in the number two spot right now over Cooper Rush. So I, I think Gilbert will probably start, and then we'll see the starting offensive line and, and receivers and backs. So, My question going forward about the Cowboys is – do you think they can pull off a trade for if Dak has to miss significant time? It doesn't sound like he will, but it's kind of been wishy-washy. Can they get a better backup? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Nick Foles is there. But I I believe in Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert led the Orlando Apollos in the AAF to a great record and – you know, he's got, he's got NFL snaps as well. Yeah, played last year. So let's hope the Cowboys' first team offense gets off the field very quickly. Texans continue to suck. Don't score twenty six points like they did last week. <laughs> <laughs> to keep it under thirty seven. All right, Colts 1-0 at the Vikings 0-1. This is uh, Xavier Rhodes' game right here. I love Um, this matchup. Vikes are favored by two. Over-under is 38. uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow. And, yeah, it's going to be more of, we're going to see Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger show. I think that's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think they both showed signs of what they're capable of, and I both think that they had some things where if I'm the defensive coordinator, you can kind of pick at their um, deficiencies, if that makes sense. But I think it's intriguing. I think the Colts are, are – I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it closely, and, and I want to I see the quarterback play. And we all know what the Vikings um, have been – and what they are and still can be, if that makes sense, they're one of the teams that are just like whatever wind wind is blowing left or right, they go with it. Yeah. No, so, I I think that the uh, Carson Wentz injury, though, that was I think almost a blessing in disguise for the Colts because let's face it, it was inevitable that Wentz was going to get hurt at some point this season. Because it's Carson Wentz. And I just think it was a blessing in disguise that it happened before the season started. So now they have the preseason to evaluate their two quarterbacks that they have. And obviously, if the two quarterbacks weren't performing well, they probably would have went out and traded for or signed another guy. But they haven't done that yet. Which means that these two guys, I think, are doing pretty good. And I don't know. I... Is it too early to say or whatever that if one of these two guys, whoever wins the starting job, if they perform 
above expectations? Do you think Carson Wentz comes back as the backup, kind of like no. what he did in Philly? No. Too much money. No. You traded a, a second and or, or a first and a second, essentially. So it's not going to be a first though, because he's not going to play seventy percent of the snaps or whatever. Oh, he will when he's on the field for week one. <laughs> well, that was the other thing I was going to say is it's trending towards he's going to be there week one. Yeah. Um. Just like the uh, Dolphins-Falcons game, though, I'm very content with both of these teams scoring the exact amount of points that they did last week. Uh, Colts with 21, Vikings with 6. That gets you under 38. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to see Hot Rod in this game? Yeah. Well, he he played last week. I know, but he didn't get the majority of the kicks. It was just, yeah, it was was off and on with Eddie Pinero, but... Um, hope I hope that Kellen Mond uh, improves in game two here. Um, would like to see that development to the second game because the Vikings might need him. So, <laughs> are you saying? Yeah, I'm breaking news that Kirk Cousins just got traded. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, the the Raiders one and zero are six and a half point favorites at SoFi Stadium for you, against your LA Rams. Mark zero and one there under McVeigh in the preseason here, so uh, over under is thirty five. That's uh, look ten o'clock NFL are, Network. The Rams are only good if no one gets injured. I no one will. I have said that for years. They depleted their draft picks. Their GMs did some mind-blowing things, and people <laughs> think that, oh, it's great. And on top of that, did anyone see the food that they were serving in the preseason game? No. Did you guys – it looked like space food. They <laughs> Cronky has built this amazing stadium, and the pandemic hurt them so bad – Go look it up after this show. Maybe bring it up on Monday. The food was it. I can't believe that in that stadium that that food was served. And if you don't serve your first team on both sides of the ball, they're gonna they're gonna have trouble. Well, we know that the Rams starters won't get hurt because Sean McVay already said they're not playing any starters in the preseason. So <laughs> that's how bad their second is, guys. The fact that the Rams starters aren't playing, though, is a bad thing for the Raiders' offense because I don't know if you guys saw it, but apparently uh, Hunter Renfro was torching Jalen Ramsey in the practices that they were doing. Because Jalen Ramsey had moved into the slot. so That's what led to the fight, I think. If yeah, I'm and then, I was going to say, you were talking about the bad blood before. They had a huge brawl at one of those practices. So... Well, I could see another fight breaking out in the in the game. Well, I would like to see Derek Carr out there slicing up the Rams this week. That'd be that'd be. I, cool. I think the Rams go zero and two. Almost certain, yes. 
considering that Nathan Peterman played the entire first game and he actually looked <laughs> pretty decent. If any he didn't throw an interception. <laughs> and I, I don't think Mariota's going to play because I don't think he's back from his injury yet. So. I wish he was. I, I want to see what he has left or what he can do under uh, the quarterback coach. I, I wish he was healthy. Mark's got to drink some five-hour energy to stay up for that one. 10 o'clock, NFL Network tomorrow night. That will not happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last game tomorrow, Broncos 1-0. Um, also five-point favorites at the Seahawks, who are 0-1. Over under is thirty eight. Um, uh, also at ten o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. The Broncos looked good in Week One. They rolled the Vikings thirty three to six. Let's hope that's not the score again. But um, I think this is another low scoring game because of that reason. I think they have. They're going to have something that maybe other teams don't have. Moving the rest of the preseason is let's see what two quarterbacks who have started in the NFL can do. Yeah, the the thing that scares me about this under 38 is that I I don't know if Russ is going to play or not in the first team offense for the Seahawks. Because if they do, (laughs) I think they're going to score at least once. Um, Depending on how much playing time Pete Carroll gives them. And the Broncos can score 41. Well, the thing is, is or I I don't know. I mean, the Seahawks defense is probably worse than the Vikings defense, maybe a little bit better. But I I the Broncos defense is good too. If well, I don't know if Von Miller's going to play any of this preseason. Probably not. But um, you know, I think the Broncos defense could actually have a quality chance against the Seahawks starting offense. So. Hmm. You know you're going to see Luck and uh, Bridgewater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not sure who's starting this one. We know Drew Locke started the first one. I would think that they would want to start Teddy Bridgewater in game two. Um, yeah. To see him with the the definite starters. So. My question moving forward is, do both of these quarterbacks end up on the roster at the end of the year? Yes. Drew Locke will start. At the end of Teddy the year, Bridgewater. I don't know. Drew, Drew Locke will start. Teddy Bridgewater will back up. Can you get a second or third round draft pick for someone that doesn't play a lot? No. Not not those. I two. mean, if if I were the Broncos GM, I would try to trade Drew Locke and start Bridgewater, but no, that's just me. That's bad business. <laughs> Uh, I just think that Bridgewater is a better quarterback. He's limited, though. Limited arm strength. Not as much mobility as before pre-knee injury. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it's just intriguing. I like that. Sunday. Sunday we got two games. Uh, Giants 0-1 at the Browns 1-0 there. Cleveland is a five-point favorite. Over-under set at 35 one o'clock NFL Network on Sunday. Giants. Um, maybe we'll see Daniel Jones in this one. Didn't play Week One. Uh, in a in a just a barn burner with the in the Snoopy Bowl, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah. 
12 to 7 <laughs> against the Jets in the, in the loss. So what we'll see if we see uh, Daniel Jones and the other starters in this one or not. I think actually probably we won't because uh, Joe Judge is from the Patriots. But granted, the Patriots have changed over the years. Now we see the no. Patriots actually playing starters in the preseason like they did last night. So, who knows? Browns, they didn't play any of their starters week one either. So, I'm not an NFL coach, and I'm not trying to be one, but I will say this. If your team is not very good, I personally want to give – reps in live game action to try to get better. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean I'm going to play him for the whole half or the whole game until the last preseason game. You give him a lot more reps. But at the beginning of the game or whenever the other better defenses out there, I do want to see Daniel Jones out there. I do want to see how he works with the receivers. I want to see my young linemen and how they – are playing, if that makes sense. I understand that there's a monetary value on everybody. You don't want to get people hurt. But to me, as a coach, you want to get a little extra reps for everybody game-like. That does, it might not even be a whole quarter. It may be we're not putting reps. We're going to go half the quarter, and once that time hits, the whistle goes, then all you guys are out of here. But I need to see you guys in real game action. That's where the place I would be in if I am Joe Judge. But I am not Joe Judge, so take it or leave it any way you want. Well, that's what just popped into my head with only three preseason games this year. I'm interested to see how they play it with the third one specifically. Because historically, we know that the fourth preseason game was always no starters. Really, a, a lot of not even second-string guys. It was mainly third-string guys fighting for the roster, playing the entire game. But now, especially this year, with nine days in between the last preseason game scheduled and the start of the regular season on Thursday, um, and you know, obviously the people playing on Sunday have uh you know 11 days in between so or, or 12 12 days in between i'm interested to see how they play and if starters play a lot in week three or not because that's almost two whole weeks of not playing games for teams that are playing Sunday. And it's even worse. Uh, I believe it's the Ravens and Raiders week one for Monday Night Football. I mean, that's just another day. So you're almost exactly out of two weeks uh, after your last preseason game. So that's what I'm interested to see. And then I think really that week before the, the, the first prep week, for week one, I think that last week after the last preseason game, I think you're going to see a lot of inter- inter-squad scrimmages. 
uh, because yeah. you have you have to you have to see what the guys that are you know getting cut and not getting cut are going to be. So, anyways, other game on Sunday: Niners zero and one, favored by five and a half at the Chargers one and zero. Over under is thirty four. Get back to back days of games at SoFi Stadium. We'll have to see how the field is for this game. That is an underlying thing, considering what we saw at MetLife last year. Um, this one is at 7.30 on NFL Network. So you got a big gap, a couple hours in between games there, probably around 3. Um, nice. All, all about seeing Trey again, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Chargers are uh, going to start their starters, I I assume. I think that could be a, a fun you – know, it'll give us something to talk about Monday, certainly, with young quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see how Jimmy G does as well against Trey Lance. There's a lot of Trey Lance people out there right now, just like there are Justin Fields people. I'm not buying it yet. Not doing Trey it. Trey Lance has to hit. Um, he's got to hit on shorter throws. He's got to have a faster check down. We all, like, in the day and age that we live in, everything's a highlight, right? So we're going to see the longest pass and the arm strength. But what they don't put in the highlights is what he missed on the curl or did he hit the first downs when he needed to hit it, if that makes sense. And then you and I both have agreed. I, 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 I have no problem with the Bears finding their quarterback, but you got to do it against first-team defenses. Yeah. yeah. All right, last game here, Monday Night Football. Jags 0-1 at the Saints, who are also 0-1. Saints favored by four. Uh, Over-under is 40 for this game uh eight eight o'clock espn we're gonna see we're gonna see trevor um travis Etienne for the saints who in the hell is playing for this well we know we're gonna see both quarterbacks that's for sure who they're throwing to though who knows Kevin White, Kevin White will be in this game. You guys are laughing at me. It's only the preseason, but I think this is a good matchup for teams that can struggle in the regular season. I have no problems saying that the Saints could struggle. Notice I didn't say will. I said could struggle because they are a franchise like the Steelers that have had continued success over the years. But both teams are set up to struggle. Except the Steelers actually win Super Bowls. <laughs> I love it, Rusty. I love it. Um. I mean, Trevor didn't look eye-popping. Not that he had a ton of snaps. He did have a great sideline ball. And so I'm looking to see, you know, if they expand the repertoire is a, is a good word on Monday night and to see what the Saints do 
when Michael Thomas is not on the field, we've seen it before, but we have someone different under center. And I think if they play their first string defense, I don't think their defense is going to be as strong as it was last year. Front seven, I could, I think, could be wrong. I think front seven for the Saints is going to be fine. Um, it's the secondary that I'm worried about. Yes. And but, that's a path-happy division. But, uh, yeah, I'm also looking in that game at the Jags wide receivers. I believe Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good uh, connection with Marvin Jones last week. I don't think DJ Chark is going to play. He was, he had a – I think he nicked up his groin this week. I think it was his groin. It might have been something else, um, lower body, though, that uh, he was held out of practice for a couple days. So I don't think he's going to play just out of caution. But, uh, yeah, looking to see that connection continue with Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones there. All right, that is is it. Um, We're going to lock in our lock of the week for week one, Packers winning against the Saints. So um, (laughs) that's that's the doom doom already, Chris. (laughs) Nope. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is gonna smoke you. That's that's a pretty good lock, in my opinion. <laughs> All I'm right. not ready for that. Next Friday, preseason week three, uh, we'll have game recaps for the four Thursday night games. Uh, we have Eagles at Jets, Steelers at Panthers, Colts at Lions, and Vikings at Chiefs on Thursday night next week. Um, I will be uh, just brain dead from my first week in law school, so that'll be fun. <laughs> you need me to host it. We will also have all the game previews for the rest of the games. All uh, actually, there's usually they they all play on the same day on week the last week of preseason. This week, it's not. It's four games Friday. Uh, seven games Saturday and five games on Sunday. So, but yeah, and then we will finish up our college conference preview series, SEC and Sun Belt. Two of the best. So, that will be fun. Monday, we're doing uh, Pac-12 and Mountain West in our conference series, and obviously we'll have all the game recaps there. As far as I can get the stats in. <laughs> for all of them this weekend with the first day of classwork that I got to do. Yes, I do have to do classwork for the first day, y'all. It is not undergrad or grad school anymore. (laughs) We don't get a syllabus week. Today was our syllabus week. Second day of orientation at law school here at Marquette. Read and more reading. (laughs) Great times, y'all. Thank y'all for being on. Uh, Thank y'all for watching. And uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Chris is going to be posting our fantasy kickers. Got our fantasy defense up after uh, pre-show, so he'll get our kickers up post-show. And also uh, our website, FAAPodcast.com. That's where you can find all of our past shows. And you can find those on our YouTube channel right here as well. So... Thank you, Chris and Mark, and we will see y'all on Monday. See you Monday.